0: What a blessing it is, and how it is to be able to come together with brothers and sisters in Christ and worship the Almighty God. I think it's interesting as we've been uh, going in through First Timothy, and again a series of lessons. What's a preacher to do? First Timothy, Second Timothy, and Titus are inspired writings of Paul written to young preachers. Uh, when I first started preaching, I was a young preacher, uh, but it doesn't mean I still. Didn't gain. 2 Timothy and Titus, being a much older preacher than I was then. And it doesn't mean you can't gain from it. Because if you think about it, just read for us there in 1 Timothy 4, and verse 6, it says, In pointing out these things, one thing a preacher must do, he must point out things to the brethren. If you think about it, that's kind of what preaching is, isn't it? Pointing out things to the brethren. Come on down. Lord, we'll get to that text next week. Prescribe and teach these things. Point out these things. Prescribe and teach these things. So a gospel preacher has a responsibility, of course, to be an evangelist. We looked at that at the preacher's meeting this last Monday, uh, the area wide preacher meeting. But you look at that. So we've got to reach out to the lost and dying world with the saving message of Jesus Christ. That doesn't just fall on the minister, preacher, evangelist. It doesn't on them. that's also your responsibility, and we're to uh, entrust this to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And I've made the point so many times: if you entrust the gospel to unfaithful brethren, they'll do absolutely nothing with it. And so you got to find faithful people because they're the ones who will do what they're supposed to do. Um, but we look on this, so we've got to prescribe and tr- teach these things from verses 6. The title that I gave the lesson is profit. Profit. You know, if you talk to most people, what's profit? Well, that's to have gain on your investment. Profit, whether it's paid for labor that you do or paid for money that you put certain ways. Profit. Well, that's really not all profit is. There's monetary profit. The Bible would even talk to us about a profit that is not godly. Profit that we're not supposed to uh, take any part in. But what's the Bible? What should Christians view as profit? Now, I've got a couple of questions for you. If we were to turn, and we're not going to, you can do this. You have my for your bedtime story before you to bed to be Luke 16. But we find a guy who was very profitable monetarily. I mean, he always dressed in the cutting-edge clothing, fine clothing. And he ate prime He ate fine food all the time. I doubt it was prime rib or lobster. anyway, he ate fine food all the time. He had it made. Everybody was his friend because he had a... And then there was this other fellow in the story. We find out his name. I always tell you when they tell you someone's name, he's probably the important person to pay attention to about in the story. And it's one of the lasters mentioned in the Bible. Physical eyes. To be honest with you, he looked like a pretty poor excuse of a human being. But through God's eyes, he didn't. Because he's the one, when his life ends, it's taken by the angels and he's comforted. Wow. So it isn't always, matter of fact, it's seldom, how it appears through our eyes. And so think about a passage, and I might mention a little bit later in our lesson too, of uh, 2 Peter 5 and verse 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. I thought about that again when Rebecca brought up the idea of faith in class. Faith. Faith is something you can't necessarily put your hands on. I didn't say it's fictional, so don't hear me saying something it isn't. I didn't say that it isn't real because it's probably more real than sight, but faith. Faith, trusting in God. So I want us to think about a little, a few things here. If we look back at verse pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good he didn't say a good servant of the brethren. Now that's important because a lot of people, servant, that's the word minister. You notice who he's a minister of? Not the brethren. He's a minister of God. We miss that all the time. So he does serve the brethren, but he's a minister of God. He's a servant of God. I believe the Bible always says what it says and means exactly what it says. Uh, I think this is so important. Constantly nourished on the word of faith and sound doctrine which you have been following. So it says, I tell you what, you've got to be constantly nourished, as he says here, on the words of the faith and sound doctrine. You've got to be constantly nourished on it. Does that mean I crack the Bible just when I show up, maybe to Bible class or worship services? constantly constantly must mean you spend a little time in the book it means you're gonna be pretty familiar with the book so I I have a hard time tricking you by saying well mention in some book well we'll turn over to third Timothy and you start looking through your Bible well, you know I have fun with some kids sometimes when I taught them at camp I said well go ahead and turn over to mark 17 and you always have one person in the class uh, there's only 16 chapters in Mark. So somebody's, even kids are pretty quick. You can't trick someone who knows. You know, you look at that, somebody be looking for it, and they look at you like, Did you say chapter 17? They're still wondering what's going on. And so we look at it, a passage that Caleb read for us in his class in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16. I still like it best in the King James. I know the New American just like this word study to show yourselves approved unto God it's important to be a reader of the Bible every day of your life so that daily Bible reader is important we don't raise our hands to be bragging we raise our hands to encourage other people to be daily Bible readers and you think about that study study that goes a little bit beyond reading doesn't it study hmm well, I can tell you, when I was going to school, I didn't always study like I should. And if I could find a way to pass a test without study, that was the best way to pass the test to me. But We're doing it right now. We're tested every day of our life. But we've got so constantly nourished, on the word of faith and sound doctrine. I think about another one, because sometimes people don't understand this. Uh, Matthew chapter seven, verse twenty one. Not everyone accepts me to the, the king of heaven, but he that does will my father who's in heaven. So it isn't enough just to study it. Do you got to live by it? I was interacting with Phil Sanders on his program today. It was a great one today. I mean, a great one today. I thought he did an awesome job today, especially the second half of it when he got into believe and be baptized, repent and be baptized. He was hammer on. He was good in the first part, too. But, you know, the point is, it isn't just enough to know it. You've got to trust God. And if you trust God, you'll obey him. And if you don't obey him, it's because you really don't trust him. Now, get ready. That's going to get real hard here in this part about prophets. So, I want you to think, why were the Koreans mentioned as more noble in the Thessalonians in Acts 17 and verse 11? Because they searched the scripture. I got an idea they were daily Bible readers. They searched the scriptures daily. Wow. I really Joshua chapter 1. I really like Joshua was over. For maybe the best-known leader of mankind in the nation of the children of Israel, maybe with the exception that you've seen David, maybe it's greater, but I don't even know if that would, but Joshua, he's going to take over the leadership. And he tells him to be strong and be strong and courageous, strong and very courageous. But also another thing he says in Joshua chapter 1, let's look at this one real quick. Slow down and read it. Joshua chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 6, 7, and, four, six, and 8. He tells him here, Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. All their fathers died in the wilderness. And again, he repeats, Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses your servant commanded. Listen to this, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous. There's that idea of profit. Make yourself prosperous and then you what a, ch- what a few verses there, huh? You got to meditate. You got to be thinking about God's word all the time. So when you got time alone, something you're thinking, oh yeah, oh what about that passage? Oh yeah, what about that? And maybe you're listening to this and you're listening, and we're thinking about those things. It's kind of like, you know, you guys know this too. I've used illustrations many times to illustrate this. But if you put garbage in, what comes out? You know, if you put world in your head and that's what you're thinking about and that's what you're reading about and that's what you talk about, what's a chance of Scripture coming out of your mouth? So isn't that funny? day and night. So constantly going back to First Timothy 4, verse 6, constantly nourish on the words of faith and a sound doctrine, which you have been following, but have nothing to do with Women. I'm not going to get into a whole discussion about old women here, okay? Okay? Obviously, he's saying, like, don't be wasting time on these old fables, these old things. But on the other hand, he's old fables, ungodliness, something besides Scripture. Well, I believe, well, I've heard, have you ever heard any of those that people substantiate their beliefs on? Hmm. You've heard what God's word said, I believe, and I heard might have some uh, importance, but just because you believe it, well, turn back with me just real quick um, to see how he starts off this letter. Remind us how he started off this letter, 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. And I urged you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus, so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines, oh. nor to pay attentions to myths or endless genealogies, which rise to mere spe- give rise to mere speculation, the furthering of the administration. of God, which is by faith. Sometimes people want to talk about it a bunch of nonsense. No, I do not know. I do not know what Cain's wife's name was. No, I do not know why David picked up five stones when she just had one giant to kill. And I don't care about any of those. They're unimportant, or God would have told me. People waste their time conversing and studying on things that have no importance. And why do I know they have no importance? Because God didn't give us it. He would have gave it to us if it was important. And so you look at that and look at that. I think I believe, and well, let's just think about what it. I hate what if. What if you just went by the Bible instead of what you think? That might be a good what if. But we look. In- if they're going to forbid certain things there at the beginning of chapter four and he says god if god doesn't forbid it's not forbidden wow the worldly fables Nonsense. you've heard me say before i get frightened i get concerned let me put it that way i'm concerned and i try to examine this in my life on talking out about this pandemic and little time talking about Christ and the church. And we spend a lot of time talking about the seriousness of the political arena in America. And there, it's, it's important. And especially the moral and ethical values and what the Bible says. Political party stuff. And I tell you what, Do you know that the church stood before there was a United States of America? And do you know that the church will last for eternity? And no matter what nations fall or stand, Jesus is still the Savior of all mankind, and God is the Almighty and always will be. And you've heard me say, and I say it to people all the time, I'll tell you what we need in America. If you want to fix a problem, we need the gospel. We need to proclaim that gospel. So let's start going down to verse 8. That doesn't mean it isn't important to eat, right? That doesn't mean it isn't important to exercise. to understand it only has short-term benefits. Isn't that what he says? He says, but godliness is profitable for all things, and so it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. A few passages. And what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Is there going to be people that? So he says, "What does it profit you if you get?" Is there going to be some rich people in hell? He's got a lot of warnings about wealth can get a hold of you. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money is. Is. More difficult for a rich man to enter into heaven than a camel to go through the eye of a needle. That sounds like it has some difficulty. I know living in America. Impressive. You're to be committed. Wow. Well, you know why we're able to do that? Well, one reason because people want to serve God. The other reason is because God's given us so much. You know, maybe some people had to make adjustments. Maybe they couldn't go out and eat as much as they always had. Maybe they couldn't go do this as much as they always did because I got to do this so I can give to this. Oh, I wish I had time to preach that whole sermon, but I don't have time today. But we look at this, we got to remember what's profitable. Now over in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 19 and 20, we'll just turn there. I want you to see it. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 19 and 20. So this is not say you shouldn't take care of your physical body. You know, you shouldn't do things that you know damage your body. Now, I'm going to get myself in trouble cuz when I want to preach that and why we shouldn't use tobacco, everyone's amen in that one. But when I talk to you about going to the doctor and he tells you you need to lose 30 pounds, now all of a sudden, well, you know, he told you that's bad for you and you're not doing it. Well, see, and now I quit, quit preaching and went to meddling, didn't I? But, you know, let's see what it says here. Or do you not know that your body, talking about this one right here, is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? Do you know you're not your own? you know you're owned? You've been bought with the price, therefore you're to glorify God in the body. He says that. Verse 20. He says, you got to remember the reason you exist on the earth isn't to eat, drink, and be merry. is isn't to be fat and sassy. The reason you live here is to give glory to God. Make sure that you lift Him up. Boy, it's easy to lose sight of that, isn't it? It's easy to let the cares of the world, things go on, maybe some distraction maybe things are too good sometimes maybe too much strife and maybe too much persecution whatever it is what makes one person strong seems to be a temptation to another person to throw in the towel to god we've got to remember he's given us this body over in matter of fact turn to just over a couple of pages here in my bible anyway to first corinthians chapter nine Listen to this, starting at verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives a prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Now, obviously, this is for our day and age when you get a participation medal. Okay? That isn't what's happening here. You know who got the, the wreath? The winner. The guy who crossed the line. So he says, so let's understand, they all run but only one receives a reward in a race okay only one guy gets to be first and you guys have heard this and i tell people this every once in a while sometimes pretty jokingly but i mean it's still kind of true second place first loser he's telling you only one guy gets it okay everyone who competes in the games exercise self-control so when you watch athletes we got all this olympics getting ready to happen all this happened Do those people look like they just eat whatever, they go to a buffet line every day? Do they look like they just sit in a recliner all day? Man, they have to practice some discipline to be in that kind of physical condition, don't they? That's what he's saying. They exercise self-control in things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Wow. He says, so it's important to understand our real competition, the real profit needs to be that which is spiritual, not that which is physical. We've got to remember what life is about. Um, I think it's interesting. I don't have time to cover this much either, but at least mention James fourteen verses thirteen and following. He talks about a guy who says, "Well, I'm going to go in business to gain this profit." Well, that's why you're in business, right? That's why you, isn't that why you go to work so you can get a paycheck? How many of you go to work if the Whoever you work for says there will never be any more pay. Oh, I'll come to work anyway. I bet you don't. You're going to find something else to do, aren't you? I understand that. God understands that. But we act like we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And Sometimes we say that. As you read on in that chapter, it says, and what we ought to be saying, if God wills. You know, we've mentioned that from the get-go since we've been here at Franklin County if god wills for us to grow if god wills for us to succeed we want to do that but if he doesn't will for us to do that then that's the last thing we want to do we just want to do what god wants us to do now i'm a firm believer and i got all kinds of passages we won't preach that sermon today but i believe god blesses those who do his will there's so many examples of that and i believe a lot of people the devil fools them into believing they're benefited when they do His will, but it's only short-lived. It's not eternal. I think about others. Boy, I think about a lot of things we could look at. I think about Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. If we had time to look at all that, where's your heart? Where your treasure is also. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroys and where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven it's kind of like the one guy says well i do the same thing every week when i get paid i throw it up in the air god keeps what he wants everything hits the ground i use that doesn't quite work like that but um we think about that everything i have is god's right even the part i what we buy groceries with and what we buy gas with and so when i use that gasoline do I need to drive according to God's will so when I'm buying clothing do I need to make sure that the clothing is according to God's will everything there is so we look at this he says we've got to make sure that we understand and we get a hold of the idea that where I spend my money says what's important to me you know think about that You can go into different people's houses, see different things. There's things you spend money on that I'm never going to spend money on. And there's things I spend money on you're never going to spend money on. Okay? That's just how it is. And you spend, and I'm not for spending somebody else's money, but you spend money for what's most important to you. And I spend money for what's important to me. Now I don't have a problem with people having physical things. I believe God blesses us with those things. But when they have precedence over what the Lord would have us to do, then that becomes incredible. So if I'm going to make adjustments, I, I just think about this all the time. Uh, I thought about it more when Tammy and I was first married, and we were young. And we, well, my dad always used to say it like this: If you can't handle twenty bucks, no reason God should give you twenty thousand because you won't be able to handle it either. Isn't that a fact? If you can't handle little, I guarantee you can't handle a lot. But you think about that when you have a little. Man, if you're going to give something the extra away, something else got to give, right? You better, we better live our whole life like that. But we better understand physical things are all short-lived. They're all short-term. Um, look a little later in First Timothy. First Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Look down at verse 6. I love 6, 7, and 8 here. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accomplished with contentment. Contentment. Now, we're never wanting more, do we? Well, it's hard to be content, isn't it? And Caleb brought it up in class, so I'll go ahead and mention it from uh, Matthew chapter 6. He says, if you got enough food to eat today, why be worrying about tomorrow? If you got clothing, you don't need 18 shirts and seven pairs of pants and 43 pairs of socks and two pairs of shoes. You know, I, I still think back to that, you know, my grandparents, people that age, I, I just think it was great to listen to them talk about growing up during the depression. And they had two chains of clothes. School and church clothes, which was one clothes, and then clothes they did everything else in. That's all they had. So you had to be washing one while you had the other one on. And I still remember my dad talking about getting one pair of shoes and they'd wear the sole out so they put cardboard inside. You know, I can't even imagine that. I would boggle my kid's mind when I'd tell them when I was a kid, we never bought gloves or mittens or anything. When we went out and played in the snow, we just put socks on our hands. You went out in public like that? Yeah, and so did everybody else in town. So what's a big deal? See, we think we're all that now, don't we? I would never. Well, maybe you need to be brought down a rung or two then. You remember this guy who asked his dad for an early retirement plan? And then he left and he squandered away and bought what he thought was friends. Finally, he gets so low he's eating hog slop. And he recognizes I'm just going to go back and be a slave. The lowest servant in my dad's house. I'll never deserve to be a son again. When you go back with an attitude like that, you know what God does? He makes you a son again. And when you come back expecting to be a son, I don't even think he lets you back in the house. It's a lot to look at there. Spiritual things, it's so important. So important for us to remember. Let's think about a couple of other things. It's about time to get closer to wrapping this up. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In verse 18, for we look at the things which are not seen, for the things which are not seen are eternal, and the things which are seen are temporary. Hmm. So if you can see it, handle it, you know, it is interesting. I don't know what's going to happen to the economy of the United States of America in the next few months. It could be scary. All I know is God's in control. He'll take care of me i've lived on this earth this long and he's taken care of me every day of my life to this point no reason to stop trusting him now or when things get tough but you look at that i don't know what will happen i know it could change things so drastically that we wouldn't know we like we've never seen i know those things could happen i know those always could have happened we think everything's always going to go on just like it is now i know we got people in this room that went to a doctor Thinking they had some little thing going on and they had life-altering disease Whew. now some people have that and they blame God other people have that it says time for me to straighten up and get close to God now here's what's a shame listen to me shouldn't take that should it hopefully we're not that arrogant that we've gotta be hammered with something like that to wake up, isn't that? But if we're honest sometimes, we get so physically wrapped up in things that we forget what's really important. I think back to something, it took me back to one of the first men's meetings and anyone knows me knows I hate men's meetings. But one of the first men's meetings I ever went to and I was young, 18 years old, Tammy and I hadn't been married very long, to a men's meeting and I remember one of, one of the things they needed was the lawnmower they had at the church house. See how you use that word? A church house. That's an inside a joke for some people. But went to the church house and the mower broke down. And I remember one guy in the men's meeting, he says, well, I just bought a new one so you could have my old one. And one of the other guys says, well, why don't you bring us a new one and you keep the old one? Isn't that how we do, though? We want to give the church the hand-me-downs, the leftovers. Something wrong with that. You remember a fellow named Abraham? When God asked him to offer a sacrifice, was it a hand-me-down or was it the most important thing he'd ever received? <sighs> Kendall, you're leaving preaching and going to meddling again. Two passages, and it's yours. Turn with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Then we're going to go to a passage I'll try not to get lost in. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 33, the last verse. Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many so that they may be saved. Is that how we're supposed to spend our money and our time? Making sure that we spend our money and a time in a way that will... Re- so I don't care what you're doing. Do we need to think about inviting people to church services and making a statement about something of the Bible or whatever it is? We need to be making... I always ask myself when I walk away from something now if Jesus would have been in my shoes there what would he have said now I think that's wrong what I just said was wrong I should have asked that before I walked into the situation not to ask well would Jesus do anything different? maybe I should ask that before I do the wrong thing and make sure I'm doing the right thing we've got to hold on to that so profit whenever I think about the idea of profit as the Bible says I have to go to Philippians chapter 1. So turn over there with me. I'll read a few verses, and the lesson will be yours. <clears throat> Verse 21, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Do you hear what he just said? If I'm going to be living here on this planet, it's all about Jesus. But he just said, and I want, do you really think that way? best thing that could happen to me today is I'd die. I don't think like that. He says, to die is gain. What's he mean? But if I am to, now he's sick at this time and imprisoned and he's getting old, but he says, but if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean, not it might mean, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And I do not know which to choose. So I don't know what I should choose to die and be done with this or ask for more days so I can be more fruitful in saving souls so what's he say i like the king james here this word when it says i'm straight betwixt the two just because no one talks like that anymore but verse 23 in the Numerary standard says but i'm hard pressed from both directions having a desire to depart and be with christ for that's very much better not better not much better very much better to go home be with christ yeah i won't have to worry about if it's going to be hot and humid tomorrow I won't have to worry about what's going to happen with the economy of the United States. I'm not going to worry about it anyway, but I don't have to be concerned about it. I don't have to be concerned about any health problems. I don't have to be concerned about any monetary situation, nothing. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary, not for my sake, because it'd be better to die and go and be with Christ, he says. But I think Christ must have me here for your benefit. Isn't that what he's just saying? Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Wow. Why are you here? Why are we here? Well, if I was there, I would be happier than being here. But why am I here? It's obviously to help somebody else, isn't it? To help the brethren to reach out to the lost to accomplish god's will to give give him the glory and the honor you know too many times we put off till tomorrow what we should be doing today you sure there's going to be a tomorrow you guys have heard me say that all along i always think tomorrow i think about that time tomorrow tomorrow little song well you know what yesterday I spoke as though today was tomorrow, and I woke up this morning, and guess what? Tomorrow had disappeared, and it was today again. Tomorrow never arrives. We've got to live for the day. If you're here today and you've not obeyed the gospel, you need to today. If you're a brother or sister in Christ and you need to ask for the prayers of the church, you need to do it today. If you've sinned and you need to confess that sin and repent, you need to do it today. Today is a day of salvation. If we can assist you, please come as we stand and sing.